0: us in worship today. We're going to see the things of heaven. Man, I hope everyone came with that anticipation. If not, then you'll try to catch up in the first five minutes of this message. Um, We started a new series called The Chance to Change. And oh man, I think that that's a fitting moniker, especially kicking off the new year. We all have some areas we'd like to expand, improve, change, transform. And we're just talking about where is the power to do that? Where does that come from? And many, many times I think we are misplaced and uh, mistaken in where we uh, push into and what we try to use as our tools to transform. And, and I hope today that I can share with you a story about a man who had been unable to change some things all of his life, and he had an encounter with Jesus, and everything changed. And I hope that today, if you'll be listening I promise you, no matter what the problem is, I do know the answer and his name is Jesus. And the church said, amen. Amen. All right, I'm just looking out here and we're feeling a little flat. I'm just gonna let y'all know, it's like, I don't know if your mind is on five and a half hours from now, but trust me, trust me. I called the game last week and I said in Jesus' name and some of you doubted, some of you doubted, you doubting Thomas, come touch the hand. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) Um we'll see what the prediction is at the end of today but it's going to be an exciting day no matter what um and I hope that we can kind of extend this metaphor last week we learned a phrase that we're going to use this entire year it's going to be our uprising theme it's going to be our camp theme it's going to be our sisterhood retreat theme and that is it takes what it takes right did everybody grab a hold of that it takes what it takes And so in order to change, it takes what it takes. You can't change a whole lot of different ways. There's not many ways to get to Jesus. not many ways to get to heaven. It takes what it takes, and it takes Jesus, all right? Uh, So today, as we get into this text, what you need to be thinking about is, uh, what is your system, what is your style for change in your life? Because I I have a theory that's backed up by my background in psychology, and this is well-founded science. Most people don't change. It's hard to change. The evidence would be, how much of you have you ever changed? Now, the problem with some of you is that you're like, oh, I like the way I am, you know? (laughs) And sometimes we gotta work on those rough edges, right? Those habits that we have, our communication style. It works for us, but if it doesn't work in our marriage, if it doesn't work with people you work with, if it doesn't work for your children, You know, are you willing to grow your skill set because you want to be passionate about communicating with the people that you love? I hope that today we can look at that. Um, According to psychologists and studies that have been done, world renowned or worldwide, um, it takes about 21 days, give or take, to form a habit, okay? And so if you're wanting to change a habit, you know, you got to get 21 days straight in. And then for it to be a lifestyle change, it's between 90 and some 254 days. Okay, so if if you ever have tried to make a change in your life, this should give you um, kind of a uh, a timeline of why you failed. <laughs> because if you say, you know what, this week I'm gonna today I am going to eat vegetables, right, or whatever it is you're gonna do, you're gonna go keto and like only eat meat, man, I'm telling you seven days of eating anything the same. And like, it starts tasting like cardboard. And the church said, amen. Amen. Like, dude, it's like, you, you can love steak, but if you had to eat steak every day at some point, just like, I can't, it's like, you're eating a piece of rubber, you know, It's like anyway. And, but you only did it for how many days you did it for seven days, right? You did it maybe for four days. Some of you did it four hours. You're like, no way, forget this, you know? Um, So, but if you want to see lasting change, especially some of you, you're trying to go to church, right? And you're saying like, you know, you're kind of like Goldilocks, you know, like, oh, this church feels just right. Um, But you only stay for a little while and then you bounce and then you bounce and you bounce. Some of you do that in your job. Some of you do that in your relationships. At some juncture, you have to have consistency to change your lifestyle, And I believe you have to have consistency inside of godly community in order for life change to occur. And so it's within that community that the word goes forth. And the word, when it goes forth, when you allow it inside, it has the power to transform you. Any area of your life that is a struggle, any area of your life that is outside of God's will, the power of Jesus working through his word, I promise you, that's the missing piece of your journey. So let's let's get into this story. It's going to be a guy that is referred to as the demoniac of Gadara. It says that Jesus went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, mm, I could preach all of this, but I don't have time, I promise you. A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs, the graveyard, to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. Um, Point number one, isolation. Is the enemy isolation is the enemy and then we could say a parallel point to that we can't keep dwelling with the dead all right we can't keep dwelling with the dead now, as always, I try to paint a picture for you because if you just read the verses but you don't immerse yourself from a visual standpoint, from an from a aesthetic standpoint, then you won't grab, you know, the, the entire context and the meaning here. So we have to think about this. Jesus has just done some amazing things on one side of the sea. He gets in a boat, you know, probably some storm blew up and he walked across the water, whatever he does. He always did amazing things out there in the boat. And that's why I need to be in the boat more, you know. Anyway, whatever. So um, he steps off on the land and he's met by a dude who is naked, all right? And is living in a graveyard, all right? I want you to know You need to pray for us, pastors, because we deal with y'all's crazy all the time, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. Like, imagine, like, you rolled up to Plano today to go eat at Whiskey Cakes, and a dude was living in the parking lot in a tent and was naked, right? Needless to say, you'd have a little bit of like, hey, you know, this is not normal, right? Maybe Plano, it is normal. I don't know anymore. Jesus encounters this strange, strange thing. And it's amazing how no matter what level of crazy you bring to Jesus, you know, he's got an answer for it. And some of you, let's be honest, you're bringing some crazy up in here. You got some drama going on in your life. And I hope today that you'd be running to Jesus because Jesus is the only way it's ever going to change. Isolation is the enemy. We can't keep dwelling with the dead. There was something inside of him that was driving him from the land of the living. Isn't it interesting? Whenever we are struggling, our solution set is almost always to dive deeper into secrecy. Have you noticed that? Has anybody noticed that? Because I feel like I'm embarrassed. And so I don't want to tell anyone what my struggle is because then they'll judge me. Now, let me let me let you know a secret. That, that is possible. That is possible. But I'm going to tell you 30 years of preaching and ministry and counseling, leading organizations, thousands, hundreds of thousands of interactions at this juncture. Let me tell you the, the, the truth. Okay, this is, this is the secret of the secret. Everyone sitting in this room has more than enough drama and pain and struggle that is going on in their own life than to fixate on you. So the enemy tells you, oh, don't tell anybody because they're gonna be, no, this is the reaction. Oh my gosh, I am so sorry that you were going through that. And then five minutes later, you wanna know what they're thinking about? Not about your problems, they're thinking like, man, How am I going to fix my problems? Their problems are just as much as your problems. You're just willing to share your problems, which means you're one step closer to solving your problem. But the enemy will always drive us into isolation. We'll try to conceal, and we end up canceling our own selves because we conceal it long enough that the enemy checkmate, and then he destroys us. I just want to encourage you. That you need to share your struggle. Find a Christian brother, sister, pastor, elder, life group leader. Share your struggle. And understand there's a difference between confession and complaining. Y'all, <laughs> y'all know the difference, right? If, if you're complaining about something, that's not confession. You know, he's like, you know what, I just... You know, I just drank too much last night, Tim. I, I just, uh, I just got a little too outside. I just got a little too angry. You know, I just wasn't thinking. You know, I'm just being spontaneous. You, know? you, you start, you know, comp- sharing a complaint about something. So you're saying that you acknowledge on some level this behavior is not appropriate, but you're not confessing it. Because confession is when you're willing to surrender it, when you're willing to change it. And there's a distinction. Some people will complain all day long about their problems, you know, but they're not willing to confess it and then invite accountability. When people come to me and they're like, Pastor Tim, I have this struggle, especially dudes, okay? And you're like, oh, I have this struggle. And I always ask this question. Are you, are you asking me for accountability? Is that is that what we're doing? Are you asking for me for accountability? Because if you are asking me for accountability, I am going to get you some accountability. It might be me, it might be another elder, it might be another staff, but you're going to get accountability because uh, just a, a want to change, a recognition of a problem is not enough. It's not enough. We need absolute accountability in our lives to transform the deepest parts of us into positive behaviors. And so if you're not willing to hold yourself accountable, then I promise you, just set the clock, wind it up. We'll be back here six months from now, six years from now, we'll be doing the same dance because until a person confesses, confesses to God and invites accountability in community, then you will not change. You'll be dwelling amongst the dead, living in a graveyard, some of you, I, I, oh, it just frustrates me to no end that you come in here to the land of the living and you get so excited and then you go right back and live in the graveyard. Come on. We need to quit dwelling with the dead things of this world. Verse 3, it says, The man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Change is not outside in. Change is not outside in. Some of you, today is going to be an aha moment. There's going to be little thought bubbles that bubble up over the top of your head that only in the spirit can I see these things happen, right? But I promise you, we are, oh man, I pro- you, you should say amen and you should send an email and say, thank you, Genesis Metro, for that message because it enlightened me, okay? I'm just saying, you can even send it right now and then it will be true in the next six minutes, okay? I promise you, the way that you deal with problems is getting ready to get exposed. And the reason why you're frustrated is because you're doing it wrong. I'm at almost 100% of the people in this room because we all deal with problems the same way. And this is evidenced in this text. So I'm gonna read it and then you're gonna say, yep, that's what we do, all right? Number one, it says, not even with a chain, okay? So what is the implication here? This is implying that they had used different materials to try to bind him, to try to control him. And that they had began to up the ante, so to speak, on what they were willing to use. So I don't know. First, they just used like a timeout. They're like, you know, hey, crazy naked guy, just go stand in that corner over there, right? And then it turned into ropes, perhaps. And then at some point, they were like, well, what's the strongest thing we got? What's the, what's the absolute strong? Chain? Okay, we're going to chain this guy, put chains around his hand, chains around his feet, Now look at that. It's escalating. It's escalating. And the goal is that can I, by force, on the outside, control what's hurting him on the inside? And each time they upped the ante, they successfully, consistently failed. Are you hearing it yet? You want someone to change around you? You want you to change? What do you do? Like, oh, I got I to gotta up the ante. You know, I got I to gotta get more. <laughs> I got I to gotta lift more and I'll change, right? I got to do more and I'll change. I got to do it harder and I'll change. I got to be more mean to them <laughs> and they'll change. I gotta write them a third notice. I'm gonna write them up, <laughs> and I bet then they'll change. I gotta parent harder, and if I'm just hard enough on them, then they'll change. You keep upping the ante, but you're getting the same result. You're getting the same result. Isn't that the definition of insanity? The very definition. To doing the same thing. So it says not even a chain. So that tells me you can try the strongest thing to try to change them from the outside. Hmm. But change is not outside in. And then they change the frequency. Do you notice that? It says they had often tried. Now someone better say amen on this one. Do you have any friends? Do you have any person that you're married to? Do you have any children? Do you have any coworkers that you have often tried? Anybody say amen. You have often tried. Say amen. Amen. No, no, no. You have often tried. Say amen. Because see, I preach to people every week and it's you and I have often tried. You hear what I'm saying? Often tried. So however you feel about the people that you're preaching to is how I feel about the people that I'm preaching to. I have often, often tried. Think about this for a moment. Because even as a pastor, I fall victim to this. And I start thinking if I do, if I talk to them more, right, if I up the frequency, if we start meeting once a week, no, 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 let's meet twice a week. No, 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 let's meet three times. No, 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 no. Let's Let's check in every day. Let's text Do you think frequency without Jesus is going to change anything? You could go through 12 steps 100 times. That'd be 120 steps. You'd be halfway to little l by now, okay? And it will not change anything without Jesus. I'm just encouraging you to think about what your strategy is. If you keep on with your spouse and badgering them one more time. I bet if I just grit my teeth and tell him one more time, oh, the light bulb is going to come on, you know? No. (laughs) No. I bet if I just sit my child down and reason with them and draw a chart that all of a sudden the light bulb is going to come on. I'm not saying that it can't improve things. I'm just saying... You're aiming at the outside. And what you want is internalization. If you want them to be functional when they leave your house at some juncture, you're striving for autonomy and with Jesus at the wheel. That's success in parenting. So if you're not aiming at the heart, then you're just setting them up for failure. It's just an 18 year clock. No one was strong enough Let's put that verse back up, verse four. We're gonna read this together. On the count of three, we're gonna say, no one was strong enough. One, two, three, no one was strong enough. Man, you guys crushed it. I had to do it three times first service. Man, I'm gonna help this for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, this is all you need to know. I want this little voice to be back there in your head every time you have a conflict, every time, every time you feel the rage monster beginning to rise up inside of you, okay? It's so funny when I say that. I see like a smile come across some people's faces in the crowd. It's like, oh, yeah, he knows. Oh, he knows. Some of the sweetest ladies in here, it's like, oh, yeah. There's a rage monster in there. We're gonna say it again on count of three. One, two, three. No one was strong enough. No one, no one. No one was strong enough to change this guy. No one was strong enough to chain this guy. No one. So do you think that you are strong enough to change people around you? By all means, then you need to be Jesus in this world. Just go through and just start whacking people on the head. That's Pentecostal. Anyway, um, you know, but if you have that power, then by all means, use it all the time. But my Bible tells me I do not have that power. Jesus alone has the power to change the chains that are in my life. It's not the chains on the outside that are the problem. It's the chains on the inside that are the problem. No one was strong enough. You are not strong enough to change your spouse. You are not strong enough to change your children. You're not strong enough to change your workplace. You're not strong enough to change the church. The power is in Jesus. The Holy Spirit needs to move in us and through us and through the preaching of his word. We grab hold of that truth, we consume it into our hearts, and then it transforms us. We'll get to the end in just a moment. From the inside out. No one was strong enough. If you would just enter every single fight, every single disagreement with the premise in the back of your mind, I'm not strong enough. I'm not strong enough to change this. It would drive you to prayer. Because you would say, God, what do you want me to do here? God, help me. God, I want to say the right thing because instead of aiming at their actions, you're aiming at their heart. And I promise you, if you would aim at the heart, you would be more satisfied because then God could work inside of your situation. Next verse, it says in verse 5, a fruit of living in isolation. It says, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out, and cut himself with stones. Point number three, perpetual pain was normalized. Perpetual pain was normalized. Isn't it amazing that this book, the Bible was completed 2000 years ago. And it says that he cried out and he cut himself with stones. And one of the number one things that young people do today to express their inner pain is cut themselves. Now is it 2,000 years ago, this book was addressing when someone had a power that was greater than them, leading them to do things that were harmful to themselves. Isn't that crazy? Because like so much has changed culturally in the world in the last 2,000 years. But one thing that hasn't changed is that there's a power inside of us that is self-destructive, and often it expresses itself in self-harm. It says that this man, night and day, perpetually, you could hear the cry, right? Imagine living in this town, and this dude is out there in the graveyard, and you hear him, right? You hear the scream, and everyone in the town knows, oh, man, ask that guy. That's that crazy guy out there in the graveyard again, hurting himself. They could hear the scream. I don't know if you've ever heard someone scream whenever they are in a place of pain, in a place of loss. It's a different scream. There's a scared scream and there's a hurt scream. And there's a scream where you've lost someone that is very close to you. But all of them universally elicit some level of empathy, right, it's like, oh my gosh. I wonder how powerless they felt, right? Because they had did what they knew to do, chains. That's what they knew to do. Let's try it again. Let's try the same thing over and over again without a positive result. They had done all that they knew to do. And so now there's like a desperation. They could hear the cries and they could also see the scars. When they got around him, you know, it's all these scars all over his body. And there's a part of humanity that just is like, man, that guy is suffering, right? What if I told you that spiritually on a weekly basis, when you walk in here, I can hear the cries. I can see the scars. Yeah, you bet 100%. And why do we preach? Why do we preach about Jesus? Because every week, someone's walking in here, having tried everything they know to try, and yet they're still hurting, and they're still crying out. Why do you need to be light in a very dark world? Because there's people that aren't in here. They're out there, and they're crying out. And when you hang out with them, you see the scars having lived a life where their best options are just trying to control the outside and never have addressed the inside if you would just share your story about what jesus did for you can make all the difference in the world there has to be a better way there has to be a better way there has to be a greater power than the power That is dominating you, controlling you. It says when Jesus got off the boat, this man came up to him and he casts out the demon. Verses 6 through 10, that's the summary. We don't have time to read it all. But verse 11, it says a large herd of pigs were feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, "Hmm, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And it says he gave them permission. Oh, I love it. I love it. If y'all don't get excited about this, then this sermon was just for me. Watch this. It says, and the impure spirits came out of him. They went into the pigs and then the herd, 2,000 in number, which some people think that there were 2,000 demons inside this person, uh, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. When you allow Jesus in, the thing controlling you will be begging for permission to leave. How good is that, right? How good is that? That that power is greater than your power, but it is not greater than the power. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The thing that had dominated, dominated this guy all of his life, When Jesus stepped out of the boat, and it's not random, it's design, right? It wasn't random that it was that day that Jesus sailed across the sea, got off the boat, and happened to be in proximity to this man's life who was desperate and needing life change, crying out, scarring himself up. It was design. it wasn't an accident that you chose this day, this Sunday of all days to get back into church, that someone invited you, that you checked out a website, you saw a sign, you saw the building, you came at Christmas and then you returned right out. This isn't an accident, this is designed. God is putting you in the trajectory of transformation and it's up to you whether or not you want it. But I promise you, if you would invite Jesus in the thing that has been dominating you all your life would beg to leave your life because Jesus and that cannot occupy the same space at the same time now you have to decide you can't just bring Jesus your problems he doesn't ask hey just give me your problems if you want Jesus you want know Jesus wants your soul your heart, your everything. He can't come in and do like cosmetic correction. Jesus does radical reconstruction. And some people, I think that's why they don't change because they just want Jesus to deal with their, their little things over here, but they won't give him his heart. They won't give him their heart. Come on. It says, verse 14, and we'll wrap it up. Those tending the pigs ran off. (laughs) And this is amazing. This is why you tell your story. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. (laughs) Right? You want to know why people show up here every week? Because the people that were here last week, they have stories of what Jesus did for them last week, the week before, the month before, last year, 10 years ago. And as they share those stories, those around, they want to come out to see if there's substance in this place that could help them the way that it helped this other person. And so the people came out and they were like, what is going on? Verse 15, what did they see? When they came to Jesus, they saw a man who had been, all right? They saw a man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Change is not outside in, change is inside out. Now, think about this. They came here and they saw this man. And it says, put the verse back up, they saw the man who had been. This is a chance to testify. Because everyone sitting in here, if you have met Jesus, then there is the man that had been, right? there's the woman that had been. Before you met Jesus, it was what you had been, right? Before you knew grace, it was what you had been. Whenever you were a prodigal off living it up, doing whatever you want, spending your father's money and resources and talent, doing worldly things and sending it up, and then you came back to the father's house and he welcomed you, that's what you had been. So whenever we hear the message of a man who had been dominated all of his life, that on one day met Jesus and instantly was transformed, and they saw the man that had been they marveled and they were amazed and when people walk in here and some of them that might have known you from back in the day and now they see you with your hands raised and your heart lifted up in worship and you're living in biblical community they say man that's the guy that had been that used to be that was and that is to the glory of God If you've yet to to begin the story in your own life today, you could say yes to Jesus. And I promise you a year from now, we'll talk about the man that had been, the wife that had been. And then the last phrase that I want to fixate on is it says that he was sitting there clothed and in his right mind. Tell me when Jesus told him what to wear, right? You notice that Jesus didn't tell him what to wear. When the inside changes, the outside will obey. So many times you're trying to change the wrong thing. You're trying to change the outside. And if you would let Jesus change the inside, the outside will obey. It says he was sitting there in his what? Put it up on the screen. Some of you sitting here, you know for a fact you are not in your right mind. Testify. Someone say amen. Amen. Yeah, you're married to someone not in their right mind. You have children. They have lost, lost their ever-loving minds. The people you work with, crazy, not in their right mind. Schools? Schools? Schools today, you think they're in the right mind? No. And you think, like, if you picket something or (laughs) you boycott something and you aim at the outside, you're ever going to change the inside? You're crazy. You're crazy. Jesus was never boycotting anything. He was offering truth and light and love to every sinner he came in contact with. Quit preaching to the outside. Aim at the heart, and the inside will obey. Sometimes I see people; they're wearing all kinds of crazy stuff, especially young people posting it out there. And you're like, "Oh, you want to tell them how to dress?" And you know, like, if you're a leader, we are going to tell you how to dress because we're going to set a standard. But by and large, you know what needs to change in that person? You want modesty to come back? Change the heart. When you change the heart, the outside will obey. You want to start thinking right? Thinking right, not about yourself. But thinking about others, loving others first, change the heart. And the outside will begin to obey. Till the power inside of you is greater than the power that's controlling you. You do not have a chance to change. But the good news is that if you would ask Jesus today to come inside, that his power is greater than any other power. And if God be for us, the Bible says, who can be against us. That no weapon formed in hell can prevail against us. That when we unite as a church, it says the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. I'm telling you right now, if you want to win in 2023, it starts with surrender. You surrender to Jesus and let him work inside your heart. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, God help us. I hope someone today had the light bulb come on. I've been doing it wrong. I've been trying feverishly over and over again to do it my way, to try to fix someone. I think if I do it, more consistently or if I do it a stronger form of control that I'll get that change and yet I haven't and it's driving me crazy, it's driving me mad. And what if today you just surrendered and said, I need Jesus, they need Jesus, we both need Jesus to change us from the inside out. Would you dare pray that right now? Would you dare pray that right now? Jesus, I'm begging you, help me there's things I have been unable to change I cannot change I need your power in my life and I don't want your power just to solve my problem I'll make you a deal God God's into deals here's the deal you give me everything and I'll give you everything that's God's offer you give me everything and I'll give you everything But if you want to give him part, I'll give you nothing. That's the deal. It's on the table. You know what's crazy? Some people will walk out of this room today and say, no deal. That breaks my heart. But someone, a few, will say, God, I want everything. And therefore, I give you everything. The reason why we end with worship is because worship is a place that we can express that surrender to God. Would you guys stand and worship with us?